Welcome to the Chamber Connection Podcast, a lively and fun discussion about business and industry issues in the Dothan, Alabama area. Small, medium, and large businesses share their stories of success and their daily challenges. Want to learn what it takes to start and grow a business in the Wiregrass area? Then please join us for this informative discussion. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey. How's it going? Good. I'm doing great. This is Dean Mitchell. I'm the Executive Director of the Dothan Area Chamber of Commerce. This is podcast number eight for us today. Big number eight, Justin. We're the Ocho, man. We don't pay it. Ocho Cinco. Climbing that ladder. That's right, brother. But thank y'all for joining me today. Today, we have as our special guest, Miss Lindsay Fountain. Lindsay is the executive director of the Dothan Education Foundation. And also, I have a special guest with me today, as well, Mr. Ryan Richards, who's the director of Southeast Alabama Works, which is a regional workforce council. We're going to talk about the Dothan Education Foundation. We're going to talk about the importance of education. We're going to talk about the important link between education and workforce development and how that supports our community, helps our businesses, and helps our whole community here get stronger and better. So, Lindsay, welcome. We're glad to yes, have you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, and we're glad to. You're just such a joy to be around, and congratulations <laughs> to you on your new position. You've been there a few months now, haven't you? Gosh, it's been a, a year now. A year? Yes. Wow. Can you believe it? It's flown by. So, right. yeah. Officially, I can't really say I'm new anymore, but I'm still going to claim it while I can. <laughs> if you're the last real. one the last one to get there, then, like, if you're the last higher on, then you're yeah, still the new yeah. guy. Yeah, I'm new forever, so yeah. we'll just, you know, I don't age. I just stay like this, and so we'll claim and it. And the other guy that's talking to our audience out there is Mr. Justin April. I forgot to introduce him, but... Justin, thank you again for being with us. I'm an, I'm an old hand at this. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, talk to us a little bit about you and your background and how you got into this role. Gosh, okay, so um, I, I'm homegrown. I mean, I like to tell people that. I'm from Dothan, Alabama, and um, I did a lot of um, work here before I actually got this position and moved back here. So I was a product of the school system in Dathan City Schools and graduated from uh, former Northview High School. Uh, it's kind of weird trying to say that, but um, yes, so class of 2005, that's my graduating class. And then I went to um, college and graduated from Auburn and then went to Troy University and got my master's there in MBA. And um, I worked quite some time um, here back in Dathan in the Wiregrass area with Senator Jeff Sessions at the time for his Wiregrass office and um, worked with about 27 counties um, in the Southeast region in terms of dealing with constituent issues and things that they had concerns with as it relates to federal government. So um, that was an interesting job in itself. I mean, you never knew when you picked up that phone who was going to be on the other right. end. And, yep. and typically people don't call their senator when they're displeased <laughs> no, they and don't. happy. So. I would have to imagine that's a big <laughs> ordeal. If you've had it up to here and your next step is to call the senator. Yeah. So, yeah, that was an interesting job. Um, and But it was a great job because it kind of led me to kind of my path and what I think is where I am today. And that um, I had recently had gotten a phone call when I was in that job, not recent, but um from a farmer from Headland, and he had said, you know, hey, you know, one of the things that really troubles me the most about my situation is that I have product here, and I can't get that into um, the school district, which backs up, my field backs up to the school, and so I thought. Yeah, we can throw it over the fence and deliver it. Yeah, like, why why can't that get on the line? And I was like, well, you know, that's a great question. I have no idea. And so I really kind of started to look into, you know, that issue and, and really open up this world with National School Lunch Program and school lunches across the country. And there was a wonderful opportunity in Florida to be the farm to school director for the state of Florida there under then Commissioner Adam Putnam. And we um, really went right to work into building a farm to school program to get local agriculture products into school lunch. 
and teach kids about where their food comes from and um, really kind of looking at how are we connecting children to learning more about nutrition and agriculture. And so that really kind of for me was a really great deep dive, not only into government and politics, which I had before, but into, you know, the school world. And we always say, I mean, you think politics is heavy uh, in D.C., but wait until you get into school lunch. Like you have no idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, you know, so I thought, well, you know, at the state level. And then when I, I moved back here, my husband got a job here. And so we were fortunate to move back and um, worked a little bit with you guys. So that was a great experience too. Um, she kept us in line, didn't she, Ron? That's right, every day. <laughs> uh, and and the really great thing about that is that um, really opened my eyes up to workforce development and really that connection between the economy and education and how we're building better pipelines. And, you know, that that to me is, is one of the things that kind of really propels me even to what I do today in um, working with the Dothan Education Foundation. And, and tell us about the Dothan Education Foundation. Yeah. How long y'all been around? What's your purpose? And I know you're you're going through some some potential changes here, and we're excited to hear about that as well. Yeah, so our foundation it has been around since 1995. I mean, it's you know gone through you know quite a few changes. I mean, it, at one point it was. Um, you know, what is known as the Dothan Education was kind of, yes, we can, and then it milled into what we know the foundation is today. Um, and so we really work on mobilizing resources for teachers and students within Dothan City Schools. And so for us, I mean, we look at, you know, we have a program that we've had in existence um, for a long time about our grant program um, where teachers and schools can apply to receive funding for out-of-the-box type projects um, that we are able to fund in amounts of $2,500 up to 5000 can you give us an example of one of those out-of-the-box projects? Yeah, I mean, we've got, you know, kindergarten classes that are learning how to code um, wow. with robots and, you know, things like that. And so I think, you know, it's us looking at how can we get those technology pieces or the supplies that the classrooms need so that they can do those types of projects um, that are keeping up with, you know, the other standards of education and of how other schools are teaching throughout the state and even throughout our country. And so we're really proud to, to say that, you know, through our organization, we've given back almost $500,000 wow. back to the school systems just through that grant program alone. I can even give you a specific example of one of those grants. My wife, who is currently at Carver, uh, was previously at Montana, who actually applied through one of the DEF grants and got it. And it was for robots and it was teaching kindergarten through fifth grade how to code using robots and it was called dash and dot and they would set up this little obstacle course and the kids would have to program the robot to go through the obstacle course and she still uses it to this day and loves it. Ron you're a former teacher spent many years in the classroom teaching AP and honors chemistry tell us um, how important is it for communities to have programs like the Dothan Education Foundation to support your work in the school room? I don't think you can put a premium on it. I think the fact that every day you wake up and think about how can you best support your kids, and you know that there are people in the community, uh, parents that are of the students that you teach, support you. However, to know that there's one organization that's their sole mission to wake up every day and say, we're going to support the teachers, the students, the administrators in Dothan City Schools, and how can we better our system as a whole in whatever resources? You know, a lot of people think that they just did teacher grants. DEF is way more than just that. The advocacy that they bring to this community and do as much as they can for marketing and publicity and all of the other backdoor stuff that we don't ever get a chance to see as teachers in the classroom speaks volume to them as an organization. 
And Lindsay, y'all get your money from individuals and and other other foundations. I'm assuming, correct? No, no, no public dollars fund you, correct? No, no state dollars come to fund the Dothan Education Foundation, and it is supported completely through local funding. And so that's why one of the it's, it's really support important um, that we you know talk about what it is that we do and really get the word out about you know our advocacy and how we're working to support teachers because the more that we um, support teachers and the work that they do each day I mean that trickles down into the classroom to our students and then to our district as a whole um, and you, that you just can't cut a, a price on that and so that's we feel like that is just something that we're going to continue to expand on in our mission as we move forward and some some unique programming actually that you know we're going to be announcing pretty soon right you know, when we think about teachers um, and think about the important role that they play in our community, especially for our kids, if you think about the amount of hours in a day, a teacher is going to spend as more or more hours with our children than we are as parents, correct? Absolutely. So they're the ones that are waking up before dawn, that are getting to school, preparing before the kids get there, staying after school to do cleanup, to do homework assignments, taking it home. Ryan, you've lived it. Tell us a little bit about it. In my world, in my day, when I was there for five and a half years at Northview, um, it was not just an eight-to-five job. I mean, it. I stayed from eight-to-five, but there is a constant thought of every day of what am I going to do next. And when you're dealing with high school students and teenagers, if you don't have a plan, they will eat you alive. And, and, and anybody that's been in the classroom will tell you that's the truth. And so there's just this constant rotating thinking of how do I best support and best deal with, with everyday challenges. You know, they talk about a, a brain surgeon has to make so many decisions. Teachers are the same way. I mean, you have one kid coming and asking you one question and there's a constant follow-up. And so the ability to shift on a dime from a very serious issue to someone who is acting up in the hallway or a kid asking you about a homework question or, hey, how do I get my makeup work? It's just a, there's it never stops. But that's just a part of being an educator. And, and one thing that we've talked a lot about that kind of connects it to workforce is teachers have become parents in a lot of situations to the children that are in schools today. And th- there's a lot of a lot behind that. But that is a fact that some of these teachers are the only supporting adult that some of these kids have interacting with every day. And that's a burden, but it's also a challenge as, as you get into this field, you are aware of that and you understand that, but you also have passion and empathy for these kids because you know that you are their ticket out of whatever situation they're in. And that's an important role that teachers play every day. Yeah. And I think too, for us, I mean, we currently are right now kind of digging deeper into the support mechanisms that we can provide as a foundation for teachers and so one of the things that we've done is launched a survey out to all of our teachers to really talk about the question of -of out-of-pocket spending that's happening um, with teachers. Do you have any facts on that on what is out-of-pocket? Do we know an average in Alabama or the nation? We do it was just released um, today actually and so looking at that I mean I think they're saying now it's around like $470 um, is the state average of out-of-pocket spending. What's, but what's interesting about that, and we can kind of talk a little bit about that too, is that um, you know our school system provides a fee replacement dollar amount. So you know that um, money is outside of that. And what we're finding is that that average is pretty on point, even with the fee replacement money that well, students are getting dig now. Dig deeper for me on fee replacement. What does that mean? Fee replacement money is like the money that teachers are given from the school district is the opportunity to provide 
get resources that they need for their classroom before they start. And so the interesting thing with that too is that, you know, at some point, yes, you need money just to get started and get that new year kicked off. But after December, you're, you probably are still going to need some more supplies because this, the thing is, is that it's not necessarily directly tied to the teacher in the classroom needs. It's that of the student and the student that doesn't bring those materials to class every day because they just simply can't afford it. And let's talk a little bit about those materials. Are we talking about the basics of paper and pencils and things like that? Yes. And is that fee replacement the same for all teachers across the board? Yes. And, and, you know, due to the restructuring this year, I mean, they were given some an additional amount of funds and things like that, which is, is wonderful. It's so helpful. Um, but I think, you know, at the foundation, we're looking at ways to to how do we to we leverage the money that teachers are already given. Um, and so if we can work in providing additional resources for teachers, maybe they can spend that money that they get for something else that's maybe more specialized or um, directly related to their subject that they teach. I'm curious, how is that money given to them? Is it just given to them as a supplemental check or they have to draw draw it down? Do y'all know how that works? Yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of the school district, but, you know, they are working, they have a a card type um, thing that they can use, and then it just kind of draws down from there. I'll tell you in the past that the card thing is new. Back several years ago, it was basically you had an allotted amount. As a teacher, you were kind of required to keep up with how much money you had. It was around $400, Mm -hmm. uh, and that that fluctuates depending on local and state funding every year. Um, And then basically whatever your supplies were, you had to draw that down, whether it was printing paper, whether it was ink for your printer, um, just like she said, basic school supplies. Now, being in a science classroom, there was specific lab equipment that we had to buy. Uh, now, I was in a fortunate situation where every science class, there's a lab fee, just like with any really college class. And so we were able to use those as well. But the fee replacement money is very helpful for any teacher trying to gain any additional resources. So it's a real challenge for teachers out there on a day-to-day basis. I think it is because, I mean, you're talking about a profession that, you know, um, on the, I think the state average is you know $37,000 for a teacher salary. And then you're they also um, have to spend additional money with their own pockets just to keep going throughout the year. And, and you don't see that in a lot of other professions. Um, but we, we ask that of our educators. And so I think um, from the foundation standpoint, I mean, we want to work on ways that we can help, you know, mitigate that process um, so that not only that that burden doesn't fall on the teacher, but also that we're, we're trying to be good stewards of the donation dollars that we get from the community and, and also the taxpayer dollars that go into the school system. You know, so how can we all work together to make sure that they're getting the biggest bang for their buck. And Lindsay, how do you raise money for the foundation? You have events and, and how to, how, if somebody wants to donate out there, how can they get plugged into what the DEF is doing? Yeah, so um, we, we do have events and we're about to kick off um, a really great individual giving campaign called the Core Club. And so it's going to be talking about how you as an individual can support our core, which are teachers and students, and, um, you know, being able to give just like a dollar a day for the length of a school year. You know, that's just a simple investment that you can make that can help get supplies that are needed within a classroom to a teacher um, that needs that um, for students that maybe could not afford to bring those supplies to class or, you know, that kind of thing. And one of the interesting things, too, is that we talk about just the basic supply of a pencil, I mean, it really all starts with a pencil. The first day that a kid comes in um, to a kindergarten class, you know, um, so it's, you know, how is that when you don't have that basic need, that supply need, 
I mean, you know, it really falls down to even, you know, things that are happening within the classroom and, um, you know, putting a stress on that child and also that teacher um, to making sure that they have the things that they can go so that they can move the class forward. And so, you know, supplies are essential. I mean, we think of them as just scissors and glue. But when it comes down to it, I mean, there's there's some deeper social things that are happening. Too. Yeah, and it's things that we just take advantage of. Those of us in the business world, we just go to our supply closet and grab whatever we want and just think that the next time we go, it's going to be there. And that's not the case in the classroom, is it? No, it's not. And it's every day. It's different. It is. Lindsay, you have a board of directors. Tell us about your board and your, your governance structure. Yeah, so we're really excited. I mean, um, when I came on board, our board had the foresight to, you know, think about expanding. And a lot of people told us that probably wasn't a good idea. Why would you do that? Um, but, you know, I think it was the best thing for the Dathan Education Foundation. So, you know, we've been able to um, have a conversation not only with now more community members um, who have a voice in the different kind of areas that they serve, but also from a business and industry standpoint. Um, so now we've got people on our board from some of our largest employers in the community, some of our largest, um, you know, community or education providers for secondary education. So, you know, I think that's a really great conversation that we make sure that we're keeping up also with the decisions that we make, because as you all know, I mean, education is really a community discussion and to have business and industry at the table is, is crucial. Lindsay, I think that you over the past year have been having discussions with your board and going to conferences and trying to figure out what is the next phase for the Dothan Education Foundation look like and think you've got some plans in the work. Can you share those plans with us? Yeah, so I, I can share a little bit. Um, you know, we're we're going to be in the next couple of weeks really announcing something huge for the Dathan Education Foundation. Right. And so I can't go into too much detail now. But, um, you know, I think for us, like I said, we're, we're looking at, you know, how are we mobilizing resources? Because that's been our mission since day one of this organization. And so we feel as though, you know, our grant program really is, you know, how are we inspiring innovation in the classroom? And that's been a wonderful program for us. But, you know, now we're trying to look at, you know, what does that everyday need? And how are we fulfilling that? And so um, for us, we've got some big plans that, you know, uh, we want to announce hopefully soon in the next few weeks about what that would look like um, to be able to provide more support for teachers, um, you know, just for those everyday needs. We look forward to hearing about that. That's just yes. great. Let's, let's make a little bit of a transition in our discussion and, and talk about um, workforce development and the link between uh, education and that critical need. Ryan and I live this workforce development issue every day, and Lindsay lived it with us for a year. But, um, you know, just in Dothan, there's anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 open positions. And it's not just Dothan. It's all across the nation. Communities all across our, our great country are, are facing this struggle. But it does get back to... Some, some core components of um, students being career and, and, and life ready when they come out of high school. And Ryan, can you talk a little bit about that and what we do here from businesses and some of the challenges that they're facing and then some of the things that we're trying to do with our career and technical education groups. And that's why it's important for organizations like DEF to get those kids off to such an important good start. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've always stood on is when you talk, talk about community development talk about economic development and then you talk about workforce development the key piece that holds all that together in my opinion that's that's the bedrock it's not even the foundation it's it's the bedrock is education because if you remove that component workforce development economic development and community development cannot happen and so a, a, a community is only as strong as its education system and so groups like the Dothan Education Foundation are a core piece of supporting your education systems 
Um, but even beyond that, in terms of workforce development, you will hear most of our companies say today, if we can get someone that will show up, show up on time or show up at all, that can pass a drug test and that can communicate effectively, we can train them on what we need them to do. Uh, and so I think that's been one of the the things that has been so eye-opening over the past several years is, is our companies are just begging for good quality individuals. You know, we hear the word soft skills or we hear the word essential skills so much. So going beyond that, so if you can remove that situation, the other issue is just career awareness. How do, How much do these kids and these students and these young adults know that when I graduate, when I walk across the stage, what opportunities are out there for me? What are the type of skill sets that I need to walk into an entry-level job, which is okay to have, but what is it going to take for me to be able to progress into that industry and to progress in that skill set? And if you want to make a lateral transition into something else, that's great, but what can I take with me that allows me to continue to move vertical? Um, at the end of the day, we, we want to talk about the personal economy and how do you develop someone's self-worth so they can take care of themselves and their family for the rest of their life. Yeah, and I think too, it's really supporting um, our community as a whole. And so, yes, we you know we want people to flourish, and but we also want them to come back. Right. I mean, we love Dothan, and yeah, <laughs> um, we love our too, community, yeah. and and you know we want to have this be a place of a quality of life for people to come and feel like that they can live here and be successful. Um, and so, it really does take community to be able to do that. And you know, we recognize that as a foundation as well. And and one of the things that we're trying to do, um, even through our grant program is to be able to encourage teachers to think about workforce essential skills. Um, and, and that term I'll, you know, shout out to Chris Duke out there at <laughs> DTC. Um, that's one of his terms that he likes to use and, and, you know, talk about, you know, how can we add that into the class and how, how are we talking to teachers about making that be a program that anybody in, it doesn't matter what age level that you can start, you know, talking to kids about, you know, um, you know, and I use farm to school as an example, but even in, in agriculture, I mean, there's, you know, lots of different jobs out there and, and you know, um, that kind of thing that we might not think about every day. And so it's just important too that we're, we're encouraging educators also to be thinking about how to have that conversation. That's a great point. And one of the things that I've learned just in the past few years of working in this field is that you can never start all that too early. And Ryan, I, I, you can talk about the WeCats and then yeah. talk about the Educator Workforce Academy, which are two great um, programs that are on the different ends of the spectrum from the lower school to the high school. Talk yeah, about absolutely. those. I, I do want to add this little piece, though. As you know, I was a part of the cultural issue in education. For so long, it has been, we've got to prepare our kids for a four-year degree. And we have so long ago found out that's not the only path to success. So making sure that our kids understand that there are other opportunities without that degree. And I was 200 yards down a hill from Dothan Technology Center in my classroom, and I had no Same clue here. what was going on. <laughs> Same here. You I know? mean, except the great lunch. That's the only time <laughs> I visited, you know. Yeah, and so it's how do we make our core content teachers aware of what's going on in our career tech programs? Because it's not just the old VoTech, which you hear a lot of people talk about that come from the old school generation. There's nothing wrong with that, but career tech education is totally different than it's ever been before. And it, it would shock a lot of people to see what's going on in those classrooms. Um, but kind of back to the two things you mentioned. First of all, WeCats. And again, I, I want everyone to understand that we serve 10 counties. So it's not just Dothan and Houston County that we serve in. So we get the opportunity to see a lot of great things that are going on in our education systems. Um, WeCats is a program in Enterprise City Schools and they are, te they're take it's called WeCat Industries. They're taking pre-K. So you're talking about four-year-olds 
and they're learning workplace skills in a pre-K classroom. They actually have a business and they run it just like a business and they make snacks every day for their entire (laughs) early childhood education. It is one of the most eye-opening but rewarding experiences that I've had since I've been in this job for two and a half years. And the other best part about it is it's not just your typically developing peers. It's students that have disabilities and have challenges are are teamed up. And so it's those students as well who can be just as important part to our workforce learning those skills at an early age. And the other piece is they're, they're working something into their middle schools with those exact same group of students. And their high school actually has a coffee shop. It's ran by their students that have disabilities, which I think is a fantastic model because those kids can add value. The other piece you mentioned was the Educator Workforce Academy. So you've got the young end, but you've also got the educators. And if you've got them understanding the impact that they, their product, because students are a product of a school system. And if your industry isn't buying your product, you're not a successful business. And that's what we've got our educators to finally understanding is that what they're producing matters. Yeah. changing that that viewpoint and I think too what's difficult is I mean you know we expect already an educator right to come into work and educate and then also it's we got to be a parent on that and then now I've got to buy all these supplies too and so you know I think it's a lot and so one of the things that we want to encourage as well is for businesses to come out and say we want to be connected and not expect um, you know the school district to come to them because they're they're doing the best that they can just to to do what they have to do every single day and um, you know to be able to have people come to them and say look these are the resources that I have available and these are the partnerships that I want to be able to provide those are invaluable and um, we just need more people to come to the table and just bring those types of discussions that's a great point and we're the chamber has been honored to work with Dothan City Schools and Liberty Learning Foundation and getting some business people into the classroom and getting them to talk about what are the expectations when you do graduate and you have to get out there in the workforce what 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 does it look like and what are my opportunities and then We'll be announcing pretty soon here a, a new program called Citizen Promise Program, where we'll be where we will be working with ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth graders using four historical documents to help make our kids life citizen and career ready. And that, at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all trying to do. Whether it's through the Chamber of Commerce, whether it's through Regional Workforce Council, or whether it's through the Dothan Education Foundation, we're all just trying to. To, to build a better community, leave it better than we found it, and make sure that kids do have opportunities. And the great thing is there are plenty of opportunities out here. And we got to maximize uh, the resources and make sure that we're targeting in the right way and providing that um, hand up when people need it. And Lindsay, we thank you for what you do. Share with us uh, one more time about the Dothan Education Foundation. And if folks out there want to make a contribution, how can they do it? Yes, yeah, so um, you can come to our website. It's www.dothaneducationfoundation.org, and that's all spelled out. Um, and you can see on our website that there's a place to make a contribution. And we'll be announcing more information about our new core club. Um, so if you're interested in, in working with us to be able to support Education's Core, um, you know, how you can do that and, and what that impact will make to our community. We look forward to that announcement. Thank you for what you do. It's so, so important. Thank you for your partnership and your friendship. We enjoy working with you. Thank y'all. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Be sure you follow us on Instagram at Dothan Area Chamber and on Facebook at Dothan Area Chamber of Commerce. You can also reach out to us through our website, www.dothan.com.